ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Sunday, 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 baby. That's what I'm talking about. A little bit of Father's Day action here in the Beer Geeks and WILK. Um, yeah, we all have dads. That's a thing. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. None of us are fathers here. Nope. nope. Maybe one day. Oh, debatable. But, yeah. <laughs> we all have drank not your father's root beer, though, so that's something. I have the That is something. Center. That is something. Delicious. Uh, so, yeah, um, we're going to be doing a little show today, another theme-based show. We're going to be doing a, a pseudo kind of uh, sticky forefathers kind of uh, kind of angle here. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about how we got into beer, what beers got us into beer, the forefathers of our craft beer, whatever you want to call it. What would you call it? Hobby? It's way more than a hobby. Anyway, if you have a radio show and you're in here talking beer on noon on a Sunday, then it's more than it's a hobby. More than anyway, hobby, yeah. um, so we'll be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the, you know the beer, how we've changed beer wise as far as like what we got into and maybe we're different now, and then what we do to get people in the beer, like not necessarily strong arm them. I mean, I've, I've grabbed a couple of people and by force force them to like beer, but <laughs> well, that's just your um, personality. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just you know kind of like that, but yeah. So we got a full house today, four chairs full. Uh, I'm Matt. Do this whole radio thing, massive beers, all that fun stuff. We have Joe from NAP Beer Review. What's going on, dude? Not too much. George from Georging. How's it going, George? From Troll, Massive Ma- Troll Reviews. Massive sorry. Troll Reviews, baby. Yeah, Chug chug Life. Chug Life. <laughs> Hashtag Chug Life. <laughs> um, and Bradley, uh, a.k.a. The Meat Smoke. How's it going? <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to me, because I, well, I have two dogs, so I am kind of a dad. Yeah. Anyway. Dog father. A dog father. So we're going to be drinking a couple of beers. We'll get into the ones that kind of got us in the beer, but we, um, Brad brought a nice little beer from the Midwest. Where does this come from again, Brad? I believe it was uh, Victor. Or Vintage. Vintage Brewing, Brewing Company. Company out of Madison, Wisconsin. It's uh, their trepidation um, Belgian-style quad. A little more Americanized-style quad, but still good nonetheless. Kind of fun. Yeah, like you were saying um, before off-air, like the, the candy sugar's not coming through as much as you get in the regular Belgian styles, like from Belgium, but really nice. So as a nice segue, because that's a great segue, huh, into uh, a Belgian beer lawsuit, the lawsuit that we all know about, the Blue Moon lawsuit that's been kind of fiddling and flopping around there for years and years and years, finally got thrown out. Wait, you mean yes. they're, they're not from Belgium, Colorado? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, what happened was is that somebody, I'm not going to say that the people haven't been fooled by... Um, uh, you know, uh, breweries or or big, uh, you know, industrial beverage corporations kind of fooling people into thinking the beer is craft. But somebody out there knew Blue Moon was made by the big guys, and they decided, oh, we will have a lawsuit. And they had a decent kind of premise for is the lawsuit. Is this the guy that that was saying that they're, they're claiming it to be craft beer and yeah, they charging did. a premium for it? Yes. It, okay. was, uh, it okay. was The whole premise was it was Blue Moon was like they 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 fed into the belief that it was a Belgian-based beer and that it was like, you know, it was not brewed by, you know, some big industrial corporation. Mm-hmm. I think and it, it started maybe three years ago, I think. That's when the lawsuit actually originally originated. I think it was, it was around the same time ABI got uh, sued over when they brought Bex to the United States and they brought um, a couple other brands and they still had it down as like a product of Belgium, product of Germany, 
you know, stuff like that. And then people were like, no, it's being made in New York. Yeah. And I mean, that's and that's the thing. Like, um, most people don't know. Like, Guinness is made in Canada. You know what I mean? Like, like all the beers we get are typically made somewhere else, um, as far as the big companies go. But this has been floating around there, and it had legs for a minute, and they actually thought the guy was going to win. But it eventually, it was like Friday. A judge basically said, at best, these advertisements contain generalized, vague, and unspecified assertions, assertions sorry, that, um, that amount to merely puffery. I love that word, puffery. I'm going to use that in a, uh, like in my, a, a, a normal day vernacular now, uh, upon which reason. <laughs> consumer could not rely. So basically he's like, listen, he's like, I think what he's saying is what we all think is if you care enough about beer to sue somebody about it, you know that it's made, who it's made by. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not, we all you're know. not going to be fooled. So, <laughs> so that's that. It's nice to finally put that thing to bed. You never know. They might try to actually bring the lawsuit back or whatever. But at this point in time, it's pretty much dead, which is kind of nice. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, it's just... I thought it was kind of silly the whole time. I get it. It mm-hmm. seemed like a cash grab to me, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. From the sound of it, uh, it's it might not be the one that I was thinking of. Um, but it was like the last person on Earth that realized that Blue Moon wasn't craft beer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> seriously? Well, you're... and that's the thing. The person knew, you know the person knew they were just trying to get money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, next up, actually kind of big news, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, which is um, um, Stone Brewing, Mitch Steele, who has pretty much taken Stone from where it was 10 years ago to where it is now. You know, I have no love lost with Stone. I like a lot of their beers, but they don't blow me away. But I know a lot of people are really into them. He's brought them from where they are to where they are now, and he's leaving the company. That's kind of a big deal. Um, and the weirdest part about this whole thing is that um, he's leaving the 30th, I believe, and he came out with a statement, and the statement he said, he's like, um, basically said, he's like, quote, unquote, these guys approach me. They're industry vets, and they got 30 years experience. They wanted uh, to uh, me to partner with them in this new operation. And uh, I, I had to do it. It's a bucket list thing for me. So I kind of found it kind of weird that he was kind of like headhunted and like cherry-pecked out of a corporation. Happens all the time in corporate America. Yeah. But... In the beer world, it's not something you really see all that often, or maybe it happens and they keep it hush hush. But for me, I don't really, you don't really see that happen. Usually, it's. Well, I, f- I feel like with craft breweries, you actually know, the like people know of Mitch Steele. You know, they know the the brewmaster from Firestone Walker, and you know the guys from Victory. You know, they they know these people, and you don't like. I can't tell you the brewmaster for you know Anheuser Busch. You know, or even like even Guinness, like I don't. Yeah, they're just bigger. It, they're almost like like faceless people. We know they're there, but I don't know who they are. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's just a, that aspect of rather than most brewers, if they don't own the company, you know, are going to mm-hmm. want to kind of go out on their own and start their own project. But to be like content where you are, which it seems like he was, to have somebody be like, "Yo, come with me, let's do this thing," it's kind of an odd angle to get at. Yeah. It's, it, it, it seems like most of them leave. Like, if they leave, it's it's creative rights or something like that. Like, they're not being allowed to do what they want to do. And like you said, they segue into their own brewery. Yeah, no, I mean, I've talked about this a couple times with people about, like, brewers. It's almost like working in a brewery is a stepping stone to when you open your own brewery. It almost <laughs> seems like a natural path for a lot of brewers to go that way. And the only other times people either leave are, one, they get disen- or a couple things. One, they get disenchanted with the, uh, with the just whole uh, industry as a whole, or um, they... Um, 
I lost my train of thought there. But then, then like, there's there's a multitude of reasons to leave to be cherry picked. This is an odd one. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and let's see a little bit of beer release kind of news. A little kind of transition here from news to beer release. Um, there's a brewery called Spiteful Brewing in Chicago, and uh, they came out with a beer called Dumb Donald, which basically shows an evolution uh, can of. Like um, you know, like a primate, and then like a Neanderthal man, which looks like Donald Trump, and then a normal human being, and it's basically a beer, basically bashing the poop out of Donald Trump. Um, we've heard a lot of beers come out um, that are kind of skirting the political lines, you know, with um, Budweiser coming out with America beer, you know. Uh, I think Budweiser was America, then other people came out with like yeah, America. Yeah. And then other people played off that, but they actually see somebody overtly just go right after one of the politicians. This is kind of weird. Um, the the way the label reads is right, uh, reads, uh, Dumb Donald is, well, dumb. So dumb, in fact, we named a beer after him. It's like he got caught in a pause halfway through evolution. His brain still functions at a minimal level with the vocabulary of a second grade student. Uh, you might even start to feel sorry for this man, child. Resist that urge. Pop open this key lime double IPA and pretend you're on a faraway an- island where people like dumb Donald simply don't exist. That's mean. Now that's hardcore. That's yeah. like that's not just <laughs> like having a quick sketch on a can and then being like, haha. This is like like venom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know what you do. I mean, he's never portrayed like it's it, it's badly drawn can. It's hoof hearted and styled. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's right. that kind of can. And uh, it, it, but at the same time, it's it never name him specifically. But where does it? Where? How close does it have to get for yeah, someone to be I like? Eh. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't think you really have any type of grounds to be like, oh well. You know, to go after them, there's no basis there. You know, it's it's almost impossible. It's satire, to, mm. yeah, and that's yeah, well, and, and that's it. I mean, when it comes to like whatever it is, slander, libel, whatever you want to call it, like you almost, ha- it's so hard to prove that stuff in general. So nothing will happen from it. But just to be that venomous, to to choose that side too, like a lot of breweries. I mean, when you make a beer, you don't want to alienate. From what I've heard, he'll probably try. Oh, he'll definitely try. Yeah. Um, but to alienate your your customer base, it's lo- it's hard to make some hay in the beer world nowadays. And when you're like, okay, I'm just going to totally eschew sh- like a third of my customer base just because I have a political stance. I mean, hey, more power to you for your morals and ethics and standing where you are. But at the same time, you know. It's tough to make a buck every now and then, so that was weird. Oh, definitely. So anyway, on to other beer releases. Uh, Left Hand is jumping into the uh, can world. They're going to start canning some of their beers, um, which is weird because, I mean, not that you don't get nitro beers in cans. Obviously, you have Guinness, and then you have uh, Old Chub Nitro and stuff like that. So they're kind of known for their kind of nitro series of stuff. So to see them come out with cans is kind of interesting. This is all canned stuff, actually. So everybody's just going cans. Uh, The next one, George is a very big fan of, Trillium is finally coming out with their first cans. Really? Yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah, they pretty much, it's been uh, it's been the 750s or bust for years, right? That's pretty much it. I don't think they've come yeah, out. Yeah, that's how they started. They didn't even do, like, they didn't even start small bottles. They just, right into the 750s. Yeah, and, they, and they're coming out with uh, two can releases. Uh, both are actually collaborations, so who knows if these are going to spill over to their regular line. I don't know, but it's going to be a... Um, what is it? A um, uh, evil twin collab called Trikini, I think it's called. I think so, yeah. And it's a, I believe it's a triple IPA with a bunch of stuff going on. And then there's a other half one, unnamed other half one floating out there. So supposedly one's going to drop what next week, George? Well, I I think they posted online that they were doing canning this weekend, and then they're going to have the release info this week. But 
If it's you, next weekend, George is going to do some Georgian. Jordan, that's what George does. <laughs> yeah. Is, um, now, do you feel that the, the can release is because of them like collaborating with other half? It's probably a transition. I assume uh, other people want the cans, and they just figured it's part and parcel time that they get into that game. So they, that's probably why. And with the cans, I mean, they could produce a lot more than what they're doing with the bottles, too. Yeah, yeah that's true. And uh, last release we'll talk about is uh, Local Guys. Soul Brewing is uh, doing their uh, Simcoe Nerd today. It's going on right now. The release, I think, started at noon, I believe. Yeah, it started at noon. Um, I'm sure there's a line going on. So if you want some really good local beer, um, you can head down there. It's at Susquehanna Brewing Company. Um, Joe Prococo uh, Brewer uh, Soul Brewing is doing some pretty good stuff down there. We're going to have him on the show next week. So, yeah, if you're out and about and you want to grab some beer and if there's still some left, head down there. So there you go. News over. So let's do this. Let's cut the break. Um, we'll cut the break and then come back and we'll start talking about some uh, forefather beers of ours here on the Beer Geeks and WILK. Calling all business owners. Are you running your business without being incorporated? If you answered yes, you are now eligible to incorporate in just 10 minutes. It's a quick incorporation event from Incorporate.com, designed to save small business owners from the risk of losing everything. Just call this number for your free 10-minute incorporation guide, 1-800-400-6177. If you're not incorporated, it's not just your business that can be sued. It's you, too, which means you could lose everything, your home, your car, even your life savings. That's why small business owners across the country are now scrambling to incorporate during this event. Call now for your free 10-minute incorporation guide while supplies last. 1-800-400-6177. Incorporate.com doesn't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating or forming an LLC quick and easy. But hurry and call now while they're still giving these 10-minute incorporation guides away for free. Call 1-800-400-6177. That's 1-800-400-6177. This is Michael David from Seattle. I'm 51 years old, and six months ago, I started taking Andro 400 to increase my testosterone. Since then, I've lost 35 pounds of fat, and my waist went from size 38 to size 32. I have more energy, and I look and feel 20 years younger. And now my wife tells me I have to take Andro 400. Hi, this is Ron Johnson from Utah. After 10 weeks of taking Andro 400, I lost 13 pounds and my waist went from 36 to 33. That was eight years ago. I continued to take Andro 400 and I've maintained my weight at 172. Gained muscle and energy. I'm 63 now and feel better than I have in 30 years. Andro 400, the natural way to increase testosterone, lose belly fat, gain energy, and feel great. Try Andro 400, the safe, effective, affordable way to boost your testosterone. Go to andro400.com or call 888-400-0435. 888-400-0435. Experienced Class A drivers, what could you do with $6,000? McLean PA is offering to experienced Class A drivers a $6,000 sign-on, regional routes, guaranteed pay, and no waiting period for health benefits. Don't have your CDLA, but have your CDLB? McLean has a spot for you as well. Stop by their distribution center at Exit 3, Route 6 in Jessup, or call John Hart at 570-330-8400. That's 570-330-8400 today. The Northeast Fair, the best family value in Northeast Pennsylvania, is back this Tuesday through Sunday. The fair is just off Route 315 in Pittston Township. Unlimited free rides, concerts, motorsports, monster trucks, and delicious food. Visit northeastfair.com for more information. Yay! Now that's amazing. 
Intro music right there, baby. A little careless whisper. It was smooth jazz in it on Sunday. I yeah. could listen to that saxophone literally on my next drive to Boston. My nipples are getting a little hard, so. Uh, yeah, welcome back to the Beer Geeks on WILK. Um, here talking a little bit of beer, going um, on a nice hate, uh, hot and humid Father's Day. Let me talking about beers that got us in the beer. So everybody brought something except for George because he's lazy. Um, but we'll and I don't read messages. Yeah, he, well, he does. I he read them, misinterprets. But I don't read them. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It, well, granted, we'll let him slide because when you're driving, you know, there's only 24 hours in the day, yeah. and he spends 24 hours, all those 24 hours driving to breweries constantly at nonstop. So it's hard to text while you're driving. To every brewery, uh, very irresponsible as well. Make so, a brewery tour great again, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, what do we have in the glass here, Brad? Uh, we have Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Why you know, did you bring it? Um, when you were talking about the forefathers idea, this isn't a beer that got me into craft. Uh, we spoke about this like two weeks ago. Guinness was like my first love that got me into dark and heavy beers. Mm-hmm. But I thought that this is like a perfect type of beer in two regards. It's a gateway beer that you can get, like uh, someone that wants something a little bit easier to drink and get into craft beer. And also Sierra Nevada is like one of the forefathers of American craft beer. It is. I mean, I know so many people who have drank this beer um, leading into beer. You know what I mean? There's a couple doors you go through, and we'll kind of touch that if we get to it on how we get people into beer, but like a, a, a approachable pale ale is one of them. And this has been around like... And today's standards, it's kind of a little bit of a, you know, antiquated, it, 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 you know, 15, 20 years ago, this is more, way more impactful, not because they've changed the recipe. It's because our palates have changed and our expectations have changed with what we drink now. Being being the youngest person here, uh, when I first got into beer, you know, I had this and it was, like you said, way more impactful and drinking and now I'm like, Oh, this is actually kind of watery. Yeah, and this is still not a bad beer. It's, it's not a it's, bad beer. It's, but. It's, it's, but here's the thing: it, it's it's gone from from something that was like um, that would uh, what's the word I'm looking for turn you on to um, almost something that you would drink as at a barbecue. It's almost like a barbecue yeah. now, beer now, a golf beer. Yeah, you don't need definitely some, something that you would take and just hang out and drink a bunch of sessionable kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is it still is that thing. Like um, in a couple weeks, we're gonna have uh, Chris from Beer Geek Nation on. He's gonna does a bunch of beer stuff down in Harrisburg Way. He just did a thing on Sierra Nevada, and he says this is like. Um, uh, how did he put it? A uh, gas station beer, and that's not a bad thing because there's gas stations in 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 New York that have Amanapolo, but and grim um, and grim. But uh, it, it's one of those beers that you could see everywhere. It's you, when you're talking about your blue moons, like we talked mm-hmm. about previously, or you're talking about your your you know your AB and Bev kind of bigger brewery stuff. This always gets put next to it. It's almost like that kind of like you know it's 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 the big corporations, Sam Adams. Then Sierra Nevada, right? That's kind of how we probably well, work. You gotta, you gotta throw Yingling in there now. Mm, yeah, no. So it goes Yingling, <laughs> Sam Adams. <laughs> Nothing against Yingling. I love yeah. me some Yingling, but I it's mean, just yeah. This is also a really recognizable beer as yeah. well. You know, whether it's in a, a like a twelve pack or just a single bottle, like you can you could spot a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale from across the room. You'll be like. All right, there and, it is. And that's the thing. is, It almost sounds like we're being a little poo on it a little bit, and I'm totally not, is that if we were at, like, a baseball game or we're at some rando restaurant, and this is, like, probably, I mean, Selection's got a much better across the board, but this is one of the beers you'd probably order. You'd be like, okay, they have all the base beers, and I'd be like, oh, okay, they got pale ale. I'll drink that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's that kind of catch-all go-to when you don't when you don't have a wide selection to pick, through, yeah. to pick from, I guess you would say. 
So, yeah. So let's skip to you, George, for a quick second. I'm really curious as to what beer got you into beer. If you do remember, though, I don't, I'm not even sure if you actually remember what got you into beer. I think you, you took the crash course on, on craft beer. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty quick. It was about, oh God, it was a little after 2000. Uh, I got into Dogfish Head. Yeah. Which one? 60. Yeah, 60 was the one that turned you on? Yeah, it was actually given to me by uh, one of my friends way back when. And before that, I was a PBR and Jenny guy. Still am now, but a Dogfish was my gateway. Gateway beer. And uh, that was, it's funny because that's what I tried to get for today. I wanted to get two beers for today because I really had two beers that got me in the craft beer. Um, the one we'll talk <laughs> about in a bit, but the, one, the other one was Dogfish Head Chicory Stout, which... I didn't know they don't really even make anymore. They'd make it, but it's so minuscule that they just kind of pop off kegs here and there in the surrounding, like, Rehoboth, Delaware area. Because I went out and I kind of tried to search it down, and I went out locally. I went down to Sabatini's, and Linda's like, you're not going to find it. And he's like, I've been trying to get it for years because he's the same thing. He's like one of the beers that I had when I he first started getting into beer, and I uh, tried to track him down couldn't find any. Didn't, I, 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 you could probably find some old bottles down mm, down at Goldstein's. Yeah, I did, well, I didn't have that, that amount that, of time. That kind of time. Here, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say the last time I had it was draft at Town Tavern like a year ago. Really? Yeah. That's like I, I was. I, I was surprised it was there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was on a stout kick for the day, and I think they had like uh, Bell's Cherry and oh. the, the Chicory Stout. I'm gonna have to track one down now because I'm, I'm my memory. Because I I don't think I've had one in 16 years. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like so. <laughs> I never knew they stopped uh, doing that because I you I feel I've always walked by it when I go down the beer aisles. So I and, don't. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I know I haven't seen it in a while. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, when it comes to like facts like that, I'm usually, you know, if Lindo says it, I'm, you know, usually kind of assume it's correct because uh, he's in that kind of world. Um, and I haven't seen it for a long, long time. So I'm going to have to track one of those down. Or if you dogfish head reps out there listening, you can always send some care of beer geeks at W. Anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, let's crack into another one. Uh, let's go into Joe's. Now, I'm, I'm kind of interested about this one because I think there will be a little bit of backstory here. Because when we did our show the other day about, like, beers that are our perfect beer, we did you brought Guinness. And, yes, I did. And that probably would have been the beer you brought if we did this show previous to that show. Uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like doing uh, Guinness twice. And kind of when I started getting into beer, it wasn't through specific beers. It was through kind of breweries. Because um, I, I very rarely bought the same beer over and over and over again. Okay. Uh, so what I would do is I would I would buy beers from from breweries, but different beers. And Flying Dog was actually one of my like when I first got into beer, this was a brewery that I bought a lot of. You know, and specifically if if I were to nail down a a particular beer from this brewery, it would have been in heat wheat, but I couldn't find that. So I got Cujo. It's their Imperial Coffee Stout instead. So And and like the thing with Flying Dog too. They pretty much get relegated in our area to the mix of six sections. Oh, yeah. They don't really send anything crazy up this way. I've, I've gotten a couple of their beers from viewers that have sent me just like, oh, I live down in Maryland, I believe, Maryland yeah, area, correct? And um, they have sent me some stuff that are bigger than what they typically you know, offer in this area. But it's kind of a forgotten 
kind of brewery in the sense that everybody just can, kind of takes them for granted. And this is a really nice coffee stout. You know what I mean? It's you know, tons of coffee. Yeah. Nice kind of like it's old school style in the coffee that it, you can tell it's not cold press. So you get a little bit of that kind of bittering in there. You know what I mean? And then the mouth feels really nice. And I mean, they call did they call it an actual stout? Yeah. It's more like it's 8.9%, but it has that nice fluffiness of a porter kind of going on. So it's like, you know, it's the kind of thing where you ha- when you have it, you're like, oh, man. This is the thing you pass up all the time. You take for granted because yeah, it's always totally. there. But then you never pick it up. You know? The other one from them that it's like the same way for me is like Gonzo. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's a beer I like. But like a lot of times you said, you just pass it up. I don't know why I do. It's a good beer. You know, but what really draws me to them is the Ralph Steadman like art design on their labels. It's crazy. Well, that's a, yeah, that's what I was going to touch on. I mean, like it's it's so weird to see a uh, artist attach themselves so much to a brewery to the point where the brewery almost like you know that and I know that and people in art and beer and stuff like that know that, but it's almost like that's their design. It's not his design anymore. Yeah. It's almost like Duraciel with their artist, like their mm-hmm. artist. That's my favorite art out of all art in the history of beer, but you almost, there now you just assume that's, that's Duda CL art instead yeah. of, instead of our artist's art. So it's like, but he's like next level artist. Like he's yeah. like a big, big, big deal. What a big those, deal. Those, Rich Mahogany's floating around <laughs> all, all times. Well, the story behind that was like, I love the story. Like the original owner is from, was from Colorado and he owned a wrench down the street from uh, Hunter S. Thompson. And so Hunter S. like loved his one beer and Hunter S. was best friends with Stedman. And he was just like, he said to Stedman the one time, he's like, oh, you got to help this guy out. And he started making the designs for him. That's, I, I, and I've then, heard this story. Yeah, so then they sold off, like he sold off the brewery to whoever owns it now in uh, Maryland. And they moved it. And actually, I think they just got sold again, didn't they? I don't know. Pretty sure if you look that up, I think that they, they, they were just they were just bought out again. I think mm, maybe I think you might be confusing it with Flying Fish. Oh wait, no, yeah, sorry, I, I am Flying Fish got bought out. Yeah, by Scranton Times. Yeah, actually, <laughs> there you go. Um, the Lineup family. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I also like the fact that on the side of this, if you know, you guys had a bottle of it, it shows like the actual coffee maker. Mm-hmm. You know, locally does, brewed yeah. coffee. That's a common thing now in almost, almost every brewery. Do you know what I mean? Like every, like I get to actually, it's weird because I can start rattling off coffee mm-hmm. places that I've never been to just because like. Just because of beers. Like George Intelli- just wants to save Rook Coffee really bad right now. <laughs> like in- intelligentsia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, so it's like, it's becoming like a hand in hand thing kind of with breweries. They like, and it's good. I mean, like, oh, who was it? Um. And it's funny because I'm like, I could rattle off all the coffee places. You're not, uh, Derek. Hardywood. I'm not. I'm totally not. <laughs> loves um, coffee. Hardywood, when uh, they did, uh, uh, I think it was the, the Co- Sadamo Coffee Stout, um, they actually put up like a 15-minute video on their website how they dealt with the coffee roaster and how they actually made the beer work mm-hmm. for or the coffee work for their beer. You know what I mean? Because it's a weird thing. And we've talked previously about coffee and beer. You can go back into the archives on iTunes and Stitcher and stuff like that to check it out. But um, it's it, it, it's a similar kind of, like, world. But at the same time, it's different enough to where it's like you, you just don't throw them together and they work. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you really have to put in the effort and kind of just make it work, you know, kind of deal. So... Um, now, do you still drink Flying Dog? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, this is actually probably the first Flying Dog beer that I've had in a long time. A f- few years, at least. Yeah. I have Flying Dog beers in my cellar because, of course, I do. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, this is uh, and I wanted this was one of I don't know. Well, and when I was like super into like buying beers to like age, and I still am, but that's st- when I was getting into that that whole thing. Um, I found this one. <coughs> Um, and I lost my train of thought, and I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. But uh, I'm actually surprised at how good this beer is. You know, like you, you'll get into you'll get into a beer through or into beer through a specific brewery or or beer or whatever. Then you go back to it, and you're like, oh, this is less than less impactful, less you know flavorful or whatever than I remember it being. This is still as good as. No, this like is the first time is, that I yeah, had this it. This is not pussyfooting around. This is yeah. like, do you know what I mean? It's it's got like a decent kind of heft to it, you know. So I can't believe you guys are laughing at that. Um, <laughs> I just looked at Brad. We we knew. Yeah, but it's there was a moment in the studio. It was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> such a moment. There's just so much joyous joy floating around here right now. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a beer that like. It, and that's the kind of point we'll get to uh, when we kind of talk about how our palates have changed because we'll crack into mine first and go there is just how we we leave beers behind. Yeah. Because we think, okay, we've evolved past a certain point or like certain breweries. Now we're like, okay, we're in it. And now we're like, okay, now it just has to be, it has to be next level stuff all the time. You have to keep going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, you do, but you don't. And you miss that part, you kind of lose part of yourself. You kind of lose the w- reason why you got into it. Um, and new beer is exciting. New stuff is exciting in general. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I mentioned it here, but I, I mentioned it when I we did the uh, Love Beer Radio. Um, when I lived in Canada, I and we went over to uh, we went across the border into Buffalo. I bought Trogues and Victory. I walked by Trogues and Victory every time I went for beer, and I'm up there. I can't get it anymore, and that's the beer that I want. You know? No, you definitely. I mean, it's it, it's like the opposite end of the spectrum. You kind of like you have these loves that you'll never let go, and that's kind of like I just opened my beer, which was super carved, um, and this is a Unibrew Maudite, which is from Canada. Um, my story about how I got into beer is like I drank like you know like whatever crap beer. And uh, for a long time, and then I went to Canada um, to work with this uh, with this guy doing this website stuff. And I went up there, and this is 2000, maybe give or take, maybe a little bit earlier. And uh, I got up there, and I was like, I heard you have good beer up here. And uh, they're like, Yeah, we have good beer. Let's let's go get some. I was like, Okay. And when I was thinking, Oh, you have good beer up here, I'm like, I heard this stuff called Molson Triple X. Yeah, it's kind of dangerous. You know what I mean? And like, I didn't know anything. And um, and he took me to the beer store. And then whoever's never been to Canada, there's a thing called the beer store. And it's just the beer store. And it's just bottles on the wall and a conveyor belt. And they shove beer out at you. Anyway, and he's like, yeah, he's like, this this is a good beer. Universal Maldit. And I was like, okay. I was like, cool, whatever. And I drank like 12 of them in the night. And then woke up the next day and I'm like, I'm dying. Do you know what I mean? Like what happened what, to me? But, what happened? <laughs> yeah, what happened? What but at the same time, the reason why I drank so many was it, it just hit me so hard. In a, in a great way as far as flavor. And it was something new. It was like giving like a child a flavor they never had before to where it was like, what's going on right now? I need more of this in my life. And then I came back and then, um, you know, kind of one of my friends worked uh, back in the day at the old school Elmer Suds when it was like epic. And for those old school listeners out there who know, um, they had the bottle list there was bonkers and he worked there and I went down there and they had it and that kind of started my journey off. And it was just like, this is the beer that has done it for me for years. 
And it's changed, too. Like, a lot of beers can change over time. Um, a lot of your old-school Belgians and stuff like that will stay pretty consistent. But with Unibrew, it's been bought and sold, like, twice already. Um, so it's kind of like there's a little bit, like, every year can be a little bit different because they were independent and they were bought by Sleemans, which is, like, the Budweiser of Canada. And then, Essentially, so it, yeah. And it was bought by Sapporo, which is, like, the AB and Dev of Asia. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so it's, like, it's like kind of worked its way up the ladder. Um, so it's kind of been a little bit, I don't want to say wonky, but it's just kind of like weaved itself in and out. So there's been kind of ebb and flows and changes in the beer itself. Yeah. But it's a beer I'll never stop drinking. And even, like, I got to hear the uh, the brewmaster for uh, Unibrew speak, and even the beers can change uh, depending on the generation of, of yeast that they're using. If it's like a newer generation, it'll taste a little bit different. Once it kind of hits its stride, it'll typically be the Maudit that everybody expects it to be. And then it could be a little bit different once the generation is older and they're ready to kind of start anew again. How yeah. many, how many um, generations, not even generations, but like how many uses do you get out of like, say, a Belgian style yeast? It's not so much uses, more like um, time when you cultivate it originally yeah. to. Um, it depends. Yeah, because I, I, I've heard like some brewers say like uh, they're Belgian triples or something like that. It's like a short window. Like the sweet spot is like the third or fourth time you use it, and then after that, it kind of tails off. Where there's other strains of yeast that you can just sit there and be like, okay, I made like thirty batches, and it's yeah, all it the really same. it depends on the yeast and how stressed they are. With a lot of the bigger, and this is just total assumption on my part, but as I assume I'm right, I'm right. Um, the uh, I what I assume they do is some kind of like clone base yeast where they actually are constantly restarting a yeast and getting it to a certain period to where they're using the same period time on a, on a generation of yeast. They're staggering generations. You know what I mean? To the point where when they're constantly pitching yeast into Belgian beers, they're using a window of of it, not using one till it's done and restarting the strain over again or anything like that. They're just kind of like constantly trying to be as consistent as possible with specific stuff, but... Nerd alert! I think with with Unibrew, from at least from the way that he was sound, he was he made it seem was they would pitch yeast in, and then once that fermented out, take it, you know, put it in their yeast brink, use it for another batch. Once that's done, take it out like that kind of like just monitor it along the way. But it, yeah. it seemed like it was almost like a one continuous strain, like Dogfish Heads. Um, I think their house yeast is like called doggy style or something like that. And that's just, um, if any brewers out there that would be familiar with this, it's a USO5, which is like an American yeast strain. And that's their, that's just their house yeast. Well, and um, the point I was trying to make was like consistency is a key when it comes to beers. And mm -hmm. probably the most, the hardest beer to get consistent that you want to be consistent is Belgian ales. Oh, absolutely. Um, like when you're talking about wild ales or, or sours, you're not aiming for consistency. You know what I mean? You're just kind of like, <laughs> you're not winging it. You know what you're doing, but you you like that the fact that it'll kind of go sideways or take off or whatever you want. Um, and I would assume they'd kind of introduce, like not constantly recycle the same over again, have like new pools that they reintroduce a certain period into to try to keep it consistent. That's, yeah. again... That's above my pay grade here. I'm not a biochemist. You know what I mean? I'm not really sure how that works. But at the same time, that was kind of the point with Maudit, is that it has changed over time. But it's it's still, it's always been Belgian 
vibey for me, and it's always been a beer that I have loved. And I don't think it's just because I fell in love with beer through this beer. I actually think it, I got lucky and had a really good beer to fall in love with beer. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how we get other people to beer, maybe talk about our dad's beers. How about that? Maybe we'll talk yeah. about what our dads drank and go from there. So join us. Join a little peels, baby, and straw, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, join us after the break here on WLK and the Beer Geeks. The most spectacular, amazing fireworks display of NEPA period is back in downtown Scranton, Sunday, July 3rd. The Intercom family of radio stations in cooperation with the city of Scranton and the Lackawanna County Commissioners proudly present the Scrantastic Spectacular. Celebrate the holiday in Courthouse Square with an afternoon of entertainment, food, and games leading up to the biggest fireworks event ever seen at NEPA. Get there early Sunday afternoon all around the square after 4 you'll find great entertainment, food, games, and fun for the family, and the Northeast PA Philharmonic presented by Prudential Retirement at 7.30 p.m. Then claim your spot on the lawn and enjoy the biggest fireworks display ever seen in NEPA. Find the event schedule, traffic routes, best viewpoints, and more at wearescrantastic.com. July 3rd, downtown Scranton, the Scrantastic Spectacular, sponsored in part by DePetro's Pharmacy and Intercom Marketing Event. Built for business. In business, time is money. In business, money is also money. No wonder nearly a thousand businesses choose Comcast Business Internet over DSL from the phone company every single day. Not only is it up to five times faster, it's actually a better value when you go with the fastest plan. So take a minute out of your busy schedule and call Comcast Business. It will be well worth your time and your money. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add voice and TV for just $34.90 a month. And ask about our two-year price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends 831.16. Restrictions apply. Limited one voice line and private view TV for new customers. Two-year contract required. Requires Comcast Business Internet and an additional monthly charge. Equipment, taxes, and fees including broadcast TV fee extra. Savings claim based on cost per megabits per second. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second and 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. There are few things more detrimental to a modern business than data loss. Floods, fires, lightning strikes, and hard drive failures are just some of the things that can potentially destroy months or years worth of digital data. In such catastrophic situations, it is not uncommon for a business to suffer severe financial losses in order to recover. There is good news. Top business solutions can prevent these scenarios from happening to your company. Top Business Solutions will manage and back up your critical information and office systems efficiently and cost-effectively with TOPS' complete and secure protection for workstations and servers, applications and files. We can get you restored and running within minutes. Call TOP today at 800-982-4021 or visit our website, topcopy.com, for your free, no-obligation data analysis. Keep your business running smoothly with Top Business Solutions. I can't sing. I shouldn't do that. I'm Thank sorry you. for that Please little do. thing there. Yeah. Every time now. Yeah. The song makes me cry. 
Oh, br- just Brad's just tears make everything taste better. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the Beer <laughs> Geeks on WLK. We're talking how we got into beer, how... How we get people in the beer, how, we, how, how we've changed. Now, let's talk about that real quick. Um, like, how have you guys, like, changed as far as, like, beer-wise? Like, what's the biggest... We don't want to get too in-depth on this one, but, like, from when you started, not necessarily the second you started getting into beer, but when you kind of, you know, carved your first, okay, this is the, what I like to drink, till now, is what's the biggest difference between what you liked when you kind of found your way till now? Joe. Anybody else? All right. Going. I thought uh, we were looking at you. Oh, okay. Um, the biggest difference, uh, I could, to- I don't, I still don't really like it, but I could tolerate a bit more like banana ester from yeast. I don't, I still don't really, really care for it too much, but if it's there mildly, I'll I'll still drink the the beer. Joe hates banana and beers, but he's totally starting to get into it, and he doesn't want to admit it to I, himself. Basically, that's what's happening. Honestly, right now. though, <laughs> <laughs> it is totally because I'm watching it happen in real time, mm-hmm. and it's just funny. Mm-hmm. What about you, George? Like when you originally started getting the beer, like was there like okay, I like this, and then now today, like there's this thing that you love that you're like, okay, this is the biggest biggest difference between when you originally got into beer. Like when I first started with uh, Dogfish, um, you know, it was it was just a nice transition into it, and then I started going through all the line of Dogfish and started getting into the bigger ABV, and then it turned into, <coughs> all right, well, I've had all these, where can I go from here? And just started using social media, following groups, and finding, like, I want stuff that I can't easily get, and that's why I'm always, you know, road tripping. So you're chasing, you're chasing the fix, is what you're doing. It's not so much the beer you, itself, you never, and then it's like never catch a drink. Like, yeah, <laughs> we, I mean, we've well, you've guess, joked about it, I've joked about it, but it'd be like, you know what I mean? Like how, like how, how good does that line taste? Do you know what I mean? Is that what it is? Like, oh, you waited yeah. five hours, that's delicious. You know what I mean? <laughs> tastes like you waited five hours. Oh, definitely. Hours I mean, that's how you and I kind of, you know, became friends. We started talking about carton, and then I randomly showed up at the backyard ale house with O Dub. Yeah, that, and then I got happened. on a plane the next day and flew to San Diego for the Monsters Park release. San Diego, a whale's body part. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Bradley, oh. what about you? What's the biggest change? I think w- the biggest change for me is I got into craft beer in like the unconventional sense, which was like darker and heavier, you know, uh, stouts, heavy stouts, uh, Belgian stuff like that. And now it's actually, I'm starting to enjoy more like IPAs, Saisons, stuff like that, that I didn't at first even want to go near. And I got to give credit where credit's due. A lot of it has to do with it. And I mean, being in the community, people giving me opportunities to try different ones that I probably wouldn't buy on my own. But also, like Soul Artisan, like his stuff was like IPAs I could, I could grasp, you know, that, that fit my palate. So, like I said, it, it's I'm getting more into that and taking that chance to be like, you know what, I'm going to try this one even though I don't drink a Saison or I don't drink a farmhouse or, you know, it's just being more adventurous. No, I, I actually totally get that because honestly, it's it's much the same for me answer-wise. Like, not that I... Not that I um, uh, poo-pooed all over to little, you know, channel old Derek there with a little poo-poo action, but... Uh, oh, Derek. Oh, Derek. Oh, we don't miss uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the IPAs were... Uh, I just... It wasn't for me. And not that it wasn't no, I, for me. I actually remember when we first started uh, 
hanging out together. You didn't really like IPAs. And and here's the thing, and this is like me being typical bullheadish me. This, yep. this is how it works is that I didn't change. The industry changed for me. And it's pretty much what happened Strong is that, well, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in what I like. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm open-minded to anything, but like you have to understand like 20 years ago, like all your IPAs, it was pretty much just, you know, bitter citrus or bitter pine, go home. That's it. Yeah. Game over. So, but with the advent of new hop profiles, um, you know, with them like crossbreeding hops and like generating new hop profiles, he started to come out with like bigger and better and more robust and more new school, quote unquote, hops. Probably what about maybe a little over 10 years ago. You really didn't start to see it take hold till about five years ago, though. It had, everything had to kind of had to mature and people needed to figure things out. So, with the advent of newer school kind of IPAs, whether it be your super juiciness or your, or your, uh, I like to call, and this sounds horrible, rotten onioniness or like stuff like that, like your super dank East Coast juicy kind of dank stuff, then I was like, okay, now I'm on board with this stuff. So it was never like, I hate IPAs. It was more like, I, I, what I used to say is like, it had a hard time weeding through the minutia of IPAs to find a good one I liked. I think that what you would originally say is like, for every, you know, one, one really good IPA, there's like a hundred, a hundred, a thousand bad ones. Yeah. But I'm like, for every good dark beer, there's like 20 or 30 bad ones. Yeah. Nowadays, that's not the case. And it's not so much that brewers didn't make good beer back then. It just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Beer subjective. So it's not that thing where it's like hard and fast and it's like a yes or no thing. I mean, it is for me, but, um, with with the way they're actually cultivating hops and using them the way they're using the technology involved. I mean, you go into a brewery now, and then when you have your your hop cannons and this and that and the other thing, and then if you were to go into like if you were to go to Sierra Nevada in 1980, if you brought like someone from 1980 to like whatever Trillium or Treehouse today, they would be like, "What wizardry is this? Why are you <laughs> guys doing?" Explode. I mean, the 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 premise is still the same. Yeah. It's the outskirt, the ancillary. You're, you're, you're brewing it. You, have, you know what I mean? You're brewing and fermenting. It's not It's not science. Well, it's science, but it's not overtly complicated. But when you start to add accoutrements to the, uh, <laughs> I pay you a nickel for that word, um, <laughs> to the mix, that's when things have changed. So that's kind of the biggest change for me is that, is that I wouldn't lust after an IPA. Now I will. If it's done a certain way. Well, like I, I have to say one thing: the accoutrements thing. You missed your chance to use puffery. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> <laughs> really, Brad? I'm, 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 uh, that one's in the holster. Puffery's in the holster, man. <laughs> Pull it on a special occasion, you know. I know. Accoutrements and puffery are two totally different things. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah. Anyway, Brad. Um, so yeah, it's 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 the and it's kind of like a cop out. The industry changed to me. I didn't change it. So it's like, I know I've changed. You know what I mean? I know my balance has changed, but I'm just too stubborn to admit it. I guess that's how it works. That's about accurate. Okay. <laughs> so let's say we have friends. I know George, like, his answer to this question. We have already. friends. Ooh, I get to oh, yeah. <laughs> friends. Friends. Huh? I'm out of this one, guys. <laughs> so, like, a lot of us have gone through, and anybody out there listening, like, if, you know, this is typically how getting people into beer to go transition from us getting into beer to how we get people into beer. Um, this is typically how it works for me. I hang out with quote unquote friends um, <laughs> and they make fun of me because I'm into beer. And then after a while, then they slowly go, Ooh, can I try that? And then eventually they get interested. 
that's usually how it kind of works for me. And it probably works for you guys much the same. Do you know what I mean? It's the ridicule at first. Not necessarily ridicule. They're like, oh, look at you and your fancy beer. And then eventually one day they like try it and they're like, oh, that's kind of okay. And then what do you do? Like, do you have like a beer that you typically like, okay, I'm going to give this person this beer to get them in a beer? Or do you more read the person and be like, okay, I know this person. This is how they are. Let me give the, them these beers and try to get them in the beer that way. It's kind of kind of the second. The latter. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I'll typically, you know, kind of figure out what they they kind of like to drink already, and you know the the flavors that they that they really like, um, and kind of go from there. Uh, a lot of my friends actually would review beers with me, and you know whether they were super into it or not, you know they they'd sit down, they were open minded about it, they'd try a, a beer, they'd say if they liked it. They'd say if they didn't, you know, and that's that's kind of how it went. Not reviewing beers with people who really haven't drank beer is fantastic. It's one of my favorite things to do because you get this kind of, like, babe's perspective from it. It's not as, like, whittled down or, like, you get, like, guttural reaction. The hardest part about it for me was I'd always make them speak before I did. Because <laughs> I didn't want my—I didn't want them to be influenced by me. No. Um, and— just say that they liked something that they didn't because I was sitting next to them. You know, it was like they, it, uh, it's like the, oh, he knows more than, than I do. I, I have to agree. You know, I want to, like, what do you think? My, my, it was actually great. My one, um, my one girlfriend I had for a while, she didn't drink at all, but it wasn't like a thing where she like hated alcohol or anything. She just chose not to drink. So she would taste things for me and it was the best sounding board I ever had because I would do a review or talk about a beer or write about a beer and then be like am I right like give it to you because you don't drink beer like you almost get like a little bit you get blinders on thinking okay I know exactly what this is so when you're like give it in I think this tastes like these things drink this because you don't drink beer and she's like no it tastes exactly like that and you'll be like okay it's kind of like validation you're bouncing off somebody so what about you Brad I'm similar with Joe. Like, I try to find out what the person likes. You know, um, there's always a craft version of a beer that, I mean, if your friend drinks beer and he's like, I like Miller Lite. Okay, it's a Pilsner. Yep. You know, so like Mama's Little Yellow Pills or Prima Pills, you know, something along those lines that aren't like overly hop Pilsners. They're more sessionable, you know, or if somebody said, oh, like all I drink is Blue Moon. And actually I had a friend that, She's like, all I drink is Blue Moon. And then I totally ruined that for her. <laughs> you know, like, I, I gave, gave her, like, some craft, I, I believe it was actually um, Fordham Sunset Wheat. Okay. You know, uh, and then I think Mannequin Piss. You know, like, that they were, yeah. like, she was just like, wow, like, I, I'm, like, not drinking that again. Yeah, no, that's, like, the Belgian Wit is a big one for me. Like, I give a lot of people through that door. Like, St. Bernard's Wit is, like, I'm like, yeah, try this, and everybody loves that beer. I, I think I think Delirium Red is another one. Like, if you get people that are wine drinkers, you know, mm. or, or, like, a little bit more of a sweetness, and it, you're just like, hey, I got this thing that kind of tastes like candy, has 9% alcohol, <laughs> here you go. It totally Man, is. candy. If you give it... <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. It's it's a hard to transition away from Delirium Red, though. It's not like oh, yeah, there's it, really nothing. Oh, like it's Turkey Hill Fruit Delirium Punch Red. beer. What else do you want? Like, <laughs> like you know. Um, yeah, but it's it's still nine percent alcohol, so they're having fun. So yeah, get your turn. Uh, what about you, uh, George? <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, if you're at the bar with someone and they're like, you could see like 
I, I've had a couple friends uh, and family members, you know, they, they stick to Budweiser, they stick to Miller Lite, because not only is it cheap, it's something they've always grown up with. So uh, usually, like, if we're at a bar, I'll order something for myself, and I'll order them something that's kind of a transition into craft beer. Like, I usually just, uh, my go-to is getting them actually onto Dogfish Head, because that's how I got started, but I'll order something a little crazier, and then I'll be like, here, try a little bit of this. Or if they're hanging out at my house, whatever I have in my stash, I could, you know, kind of pick something that's a little light, but not too, uh, I don't even know the word for it. Like, it might not turn them off. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. Force them to chug 120s? No. <laughs> uh, no, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. Chug chug life. Chug life. Anyway, um, yeah, and for me, it's like, it's same thing as pretty much all you guys. Um, uh, you know, you kind of read the person, and then you don't want to throw, like, specific things. You know, the person drinks Mellow Light. Obviously, you don't want to throw, like, even a smaller IPA at them. You want to go Pilsner-wise. Wheat beer is a lot of things people drink. Blue Moon's a big thing, so... Um, even when they're not being sued. So, like, you'll go to, like, you know, St. Bernardus Wit or some kind of wit that I'm comfortable with. And then you'd always find something for somebody. That's the key. Um, so, let's, uh, real quick, what are, your, what are your dad's drink? What were the beers that you guys' dad's drink? Let's start with Joe and work our way around. MGD and Yingling. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. A little nice MGD and Yingling yeah. with a hardcore Irish brogue to it. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm I, talking the, about. The reason why he drinks both of those beers is when he came over from Ireland, uh, he discovered Yingling because he, nothing else had the kind of flavor or like the like impact that he was used to. Yeah. Then he'd go out and still, this was like late 80s, early 90s. I think he came over in like 88, 89. Not a lot of places had Yingling, mm-hmm. but places had MGD. So he—that's yeah. that's all he all he drinks. MGD what, or Yingling. What about you, George? Oh, Budweiser. Um, my uncle actually worked for them for quite a while. Okay, and uh, that's how I got started, and then I moved my way on. Bradley, my dad actually has like three phases of life. Like when he was younger, <laughs> he, he skied and, and traveled a lot. So actually, he's like he said, growing up, like Whitbread which I don't think is in the States anymore, it's no. an English beer. He said he loved it. And then there was the I'm married and have five kids, which was like Jenny and Peel's Light and stuff oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> and then now in later, is he has had almost every single beer I've had in the last two years. There you go. Yeah, you because know, I, I share it with him, and like he'll give me, like you said, guttural reactions. Yeah. Like, I really like this, or he makes a face that I'm just like, okay, he's not going to drink that one again. There you go. My dad was, uh, I believe it was a lot of Jetty and a little bit of a, a black label. I think it was 1875 or 1857, something like that. I don't know. Pounder cans, baby. Yeah, so there you amazing. go. Another show in the books. Next week, we'll have Soul Brewing. Local guys make good. Uh, Joe Prococo will be on. He's doing a release today. Go check him out if you can. And uh, yeah, good beers, good times. So hopefully, you guys enjoyed the show. And join us next week on the Beer Geeks and WILK. Cheers. Thank you.